This episode of Paper Team is brought to you by the 2018 Launchpad Pilots Competition. Now in their fifth year, the Launchpad competitions have helped 254 writers get signed, 81 projects get set up, 48 writers get stuffed, and led to four bidding wars. When you enter your pilot script this year, you'll save $15 off your entry just by using the code PAPERTEAM, all caps, all one word, at the checkout, as a special thank you to our listeners. For more information on the tracking board's current competitions and exclusive partners, visit tblaunchpad.com. Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we are going to talk about putting yourself out there as a creative. From networking to generating content, how do you stay in the loop and people's minds? Let's find out. Welcome to our Paper Scrap segment. This week, we have a voicemail, a tweet, and a review to go over. So first up, we have a voicemail from Lynn Bell, which we received on December 19th. Now, unfortunately, we had some issues with the audio quality of the recording. So instead, we've just transcribed Lynn's voicemail as best we could make it out. So Alex is going to read it instead. Sorry if we misheard anything, Lynn. So Lynn says, I've been writing a TV pilot for some time now. It's not perfect, but I do have a great story to tell. And I've written a pilot to enter into a festival this year. And I'm waiting to hear back from them, but I really, 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 really would like to get an agent. Both my daughter and I are writers. She has a few scripts. I have a few scripts. What is the best way to get an agent? Well, it's a good question. And I think it's one that's on a lot of people's lips. Now, the common wisdom is you don't find an agent, they find you. And that can be frustrating, but this is especially true with agents as opposed to managers who are more often the kinds of people who are out there scouting for emerging writers and talent to help nurture and develop their careers. Now, as we said in our episode, TV Writer Representation 101, which was PT31, there are some big differences between agents and managers. And a lot of the time, you only get an agent really once you're already a working writer or are very close to it. So I really would recommend trying to find a literary manager first, Lynn. But the question still is, of course, how can she do that, Alex? Yeah, I definitely agree that most of the times it's the agent finding you. With that said, this entire episode is about putting yourself out there, and it seems like you're already doing that. Festivals, competitions are a great way to start getting noticed, especially by managers. And then the next advice is just keep writing content and meeting new people. So we are about to discuss a number of ways that you can increase your odds for getting noticed by those reps that you're looking for. But it is always going to be a combination of continuing to churn out good material and not stopping, and then getting out there and meeting the right people and just being persistent and patient. Now, a lot of it is also luck and good timing. But if you have the talent, it will happen for you eventually. As they say, life finds a way. Oh boy. Can't <laughs> wait for the sequel. Now onto our reviews. First review that we wanted to read is by Shruti, who writes, Essential listening for TV writers. A really well-executed podcast. No idea how Alex and Nick find the time on top of their day jobs and writing aspirations, but I'm glad they do. Also, as someone with terrible plot recollection, I'm in awe of their vast TV knowledge. Their accents are super easy on the ears as well. Nice work, guys. Keep it up. Oh, that's very nice. I have no idea how we find the time either, but we do somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't reveal our time traveling secret. <laughs> our time machine. <laughs> And we had a sort of tweet review, I guess, that was Ooh. tweeted out to us by a guy named Joao Nasita. And he says, 
Hey, Nick, I just want to say a massive thank you to you and at TV Calling, which is Alex, for bringing your podcast to me. They're the best tools for any writer wanting to be a screenwriter. Without your help, I honestly think I would have given up writing a long time ago. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, that's so nice. I tweeted back. That really means a lot. Thank you, Joel, and keep at it. And I said, persistence will get you a long way in this industry. So happy new year. And he said, thank you so much. Please keep doing the podcast. They help a lot of people every day. So that's just really lovely stuff to hear. And that happy means a new lot year. to us. And you know, if you keep going at it, something will happen yeah, for you eventually. You know what they say, never give up, never surrender. That's it. By Grab Thighs Hammer. One last thing before we head into our episode, we were recently invited to a Screenwriter's Rant Room. That's right. We were special guests on the podcast Screenwriter's Rant Room by uh, Hilliard Guess, a good friend of ours. And uh, we had an awesome time chatting it up with uh, Hilliard and a couple of his guests, Lisa and Chris. Yeah, we talked about being an assistant and uh, the real hard work that goes into it. <laughs> the long ladder to, to make your way up. So uh, yeah, it's an awesome episode. It's a lot of fun. I think you guys should definitely check it out. I think it was episode 189, the uh, the assistance track or something. Yeah. And if you want the direct link to that episode, you can go to paperteam.co slash ranch room, all one word. And now on with the show. Now, at the end of last year, we commented in one of our Paper Scrap segment about the etiquette to follow up with guests, ask questions and advice. And part of that stemmed from issues we had with strange favors people were sending out to some of our guests. Perhaps there's some unresolved entitlement issues there. Uh, they were asking for being wrapped or selling at our shows, even though they did not know our guests personally. But looking at that broader issue, a lot of it seemed to get boiled down to the same question, and that is, how can you help me? So we thought it'd be a good idea to do an entire episode, not just on being reactive and waiting for others to help you, but instead being proactive. How can you get noticed? Well, by putting yourself out there. So to do that, this episode will be about the different methods and techniques we've been using to not just help us, but others as well. So time to get motivated and begin to learn all the techniques to get yourself out there. Training montage. Training montage. And what is the first one that we wanted to tackle? So the first broad category is, as we just said, putting yourself out there. And one of the really important things in doing that is building new connections. We've already dedicated several episodes on that issue of networking and meeting people, but the importance of building those connections in this industry cannot be overstated. You do have to create those relationships to survive in the business. TV is intrinsically a social medium, even though it doesn't appear to be outside. Now, networking isn't and should not just be about making single-use friends like in Fight Club. Socializing is about making friends, not connections. Putting yourself out there does mean stepping outside of your comfort zone initially. Most writers I know are antisocial or were. I'm very awkward interacting with Nick every single day of my life. Never. But you gotta fake it till you make it. That is true in fake TV shows, but also real life. So if you don't feel comfortable engaging with people in large groups, there are other ways of doing it. You can just grab a coffee or drink or some other low-key meeting place with that other person and engage on a more one-on-one -on -one basis. Also, everybody knows everyone in this town, so feel free to ask for introductions as long as you're on a firm base with the person you're asking that favor. It is honestly that simple in a way. You want to ask people to drinks and coffees and lunches and whatever. They're not actually romantic dates in this town. Like coming from other cultures, it might seem like that. Even for us, we're like, well, if you ask someone to drinks back in Australia, that sounds like a date. It's not. And please don't try to make it that when you do go out for these networking drinks. It's making these acquaintances and new friends if you get along. There are people that do this 
multiple nights a week. And that's probably what you should be aiming to do as well when you're first building your friend groups and connections here in LA, you know, two or three nights a week even. So, you know, if you do that, then after a year, you have a hundred new contacts and connections and hopefully friends. And so when you talk to them at these meetings about what you're interested in and what you want to do, often they'll suggest introducing you to one of their friends who you should know. And uh, you should try and do the same with them. So now you know 200 more people and it's just exponential like that. And this may sound a bit overwhelming at first, two or three meetings a week, but it doesn't just have to be about meeting new people every single day. Think about when you're hanging out with your friends, you're probably already doing that on a regular basis as well. So it's a similar mentality. It's about building those relationships. And in fact, when it comes to that actual relationship, even though the meetings themselves are not literally dates, I do compare networking as a whole to dating. The more you put in, the more you get out. That sounded more dirty than I thought, but, oh, God. Uh, but ultimately you don't want to be a creep. Speaking of, don't be a creep. That's the number one advice we can say here. So these kinds of drinks and coffees are often with people around the same level as you in the industry, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, whatever. But there is also this thing called an informational meeting. And so when you might not be at the level yet where you can, say, take a real pitch meeting with like the director of development at Netflix or a story editor on The Flash, but if you have some kind of in, like maybe you know their assistant or you have a referral from a friend or you had a quick chat after a panel, even just a tweet or an email exchange or something, and if you ask them politely, they might make time for you to drop into the office for half an hour or grab a coffee around the corner so that you can pick their brain about what they do and how they got to where they are. Now, in these kinds of meetings, you are asking for you know a favor from someone who is much higher up in the industry than you. So it's really important that you don't ask them straight out for any favors like reading your script or can you get me a job? Basically, this time that they are taking to meet with you is the favor. And the thing that you're getting out of it is now you know someone. And if you manage to maintain that relationship and keep friendly with them, send catch up emails every three months or something like that, when you are in a position to either do something for them or where they might want to do something for you, then that's awesome because you've known this person for quite a while now. And going back to that dating analogy, you do not want to commit too early. That means, you know, essentially don't put out on the first date, meaning you don't want to ask for a script to be read on the first date usually, right? In that first meeting, you want to get to know that person and maybe they'll reach back out or you can reach back to them. But the idea is in that first encounter, you're going to build a relationship. You're going to build that mutual connection or mutual information. Right. You're going to scare people off if you get down and propose marriage the first time you meet them. Unless us two. I mean, we've been going for like a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> been very happy since that first date. Oh, boy. A big part of that networking aspect is fostering meaningful and respectful relationships. So we have talked about building new connections, hopefully. But like any relationship, it needs to be fostered. And the first thing you need to do when you're building that relationship is be honest about who you are and what you want to do. So even if you may be lacking some skills or experience, but you're passionate about a project and are given the opportunity to show it, go for it. And that may translate for, for example, job interviews. For one of my last jobs, the interview process ended up coming down between me and another person who had a lot more professional experience than me, but I was clearly much more enthusiastic about the project than they were. And so at the end of the day, I got the job because I was passionate about the show when they were not. So if you get the opportunity to interview for a show, for example, that you love, but you feel you may be lacking some experience, share that passion and focus on what you're bringing to the table rather than what you're missing out on. Just don't play games. Yeah, exactly. Don't be afraid to make it clear what you want to do and what your goals are, whether that's over drinks with someone or if it's sharing on Facebook that 
your script made it to the semifinals of the Austin Film Festival or whatever, you know, if people know that you're, say, a musical writer and or you're looking for a job in development or something like that, they can keep you in mind when they see those opportunities come up. You really can't be too shy or humble in this town. People will sometimes take that as a lack of confidence in yourself and your abilities. I would also say that if you do have a day job and you're afraid that people may know or learn that you are pursuing this other career, then make some other social media profile. We're going to go into more details uh, about social media in a second, but I feel like that's an obstacle that's man-made, that's in your own mind. The reality is you can actually get past that and let people know that you are pursuing the career in other ways that are not going to hinder the current professional track you're on. And at the same time, you also don't want to exaggerate or boast or brag because people will see through that kind of fakeness in an instant. Just like Alex said, be truthful and be yourself. So much of being a TV writer is that social element. If you can't hold a conversation or make someone laugh or come off as an interesting person, you're going to be in trouble. So much of it is making a good impression in the room and being fun or at least tolerable to be around. So, you know, whether that's getting hired as a writer's PA or a staff writer, that's what it's going to come down to. So if you know that you suck at it, you should really work on that. (laughs) Think of being in the room. If you are on a show, you got to also build those connections inside, right? Ask to read their scripts, maybe one of the writers. Ask them out for drinks. Socialize with those writers outside work or maybe the other executives if you're not in a room right now. Build that rapport based on similar interest or connection. In fact, when we say make your intentions known, you got to be specific about it, right? If you want to be a writer, okay, what genre, what format? And if you're looking for a job, fine. Are you looking to be an assistant? In what department? Are you trying to be a PA? Are you trying to be a desk assistant? What does that entail for you? Yeah, that's super important. Like everyone wants to be a writer in this town. So if you can give more specificity to that, then again, when that specific opportunity comes up, they will have you in mind because they know that you want to do exactly that thing. So at the same time, when you're building those connections, it's important not to ask too much of people or be too pushy. I always think that it's better to have something offered than to ask for it in terms of you know material favors, like reading a script. Or if you're going to ask, ask in a way that kind of gives them an out. So for example, you might say, if you have time some point down the line, I'd love your thoughts on my sci-fi pilot. And then that way they can say, oh yeah, I'm actually super busy this month, but remind me next month and I'll try and take a look. Or they might actually say, yeah, shoot it over tonight. I'd love to read it. That kind of gives them the opportunity to not just like awkwardly have to be like, no, I'm not going to read your script. <laughs> They're kind of open-ended questions instead exactly. of the classic closed-ended yes or no binary decision. Absolutely. You know, better yet, like we've been saying, do something nice for them. Offer them something of value. Like Alex said, can I read your script? And more often than not, they might offer to do something for you in return, like read your script back, especially if you've gone and given them great notes or thoughts on what they've done. Yeah, that's exactly my advice when it comes to meeting people and building those connections. What do people love to talk about themselves? I love to talk about myself. That's why I have this podcast. (laughs) Before asking for something for yourself, ask about them. If you're about to ask someone to read your script, what if you first did a favor for them? Or if it's another writer, ask to read their script first so they know you are actually interested in the craft. And this isn't just about giving notes, right? You can ask a more senior professional writer for a script that they wrote so that you could learn their writing style. Now, obviously, you're not going to be giving them notes, especially if they're an EP, but that way you're actually showing initiative. You're showing interest in them, and hopefully down the line, they show interest in you. Yeah, and like you said, it's showing passion and enthusiasm for that too. Like if they know that you're the assistant who's staying back late and helping out and wanting to read scripts and be involved in the craft and the process, and then all the other assistants just leave as soon as they're able to go and they go and get drinks or whatever 
whatever, they can see that you're someone who is really into this stuff and maybe you should be the one they promote to writer's assistant or whatever it happens to be. Now, moving past those initial relationship building blocks, how do you get people to offer you jobs or want to connect you to their agent? Well, the hard truth is that this business isn't just about meeting people, but also staying in the conversation. And one way of doing that is by keeping in touch with people, even some you might not have seen in a while. So you can use personal milestones to reach out to old contacts and keep them in the loop. Those milestones can include when you finish a script or you place a competition or you get a new job or you have now this fancy new mutual connection. Oh, you know X, I know Y etc, etc. You can also use sort of holidays or professional seasons to reconnect. So obviously you have New Year, Christmas, but you also have pilot season. Maybe they just had a new show picked up by ABC. You can congratulate them on that new accomplishment. You should really always shoot folks a Facebook message or an email or something like that in a few months time after you've caught up and see what they've been up to. We have a whole episode on following up and all that kind of thing. So I find it helps to get together in person for another coffee or whatever every six or 12 months, whatever feels comfortable. You can get a a little awkward after that if you're suddenly reaching out to someone after not having talked to them for two years and then you know three sentences in you're like oh by the way i heard that you're working on this show now like that becomes very see-through so awkward. it's important to naturally maintain that relationship and not leave things go too long and don't let them grow cold yeah and the other aspect of that is having something to talk about right yeah exactly and i think that that's why it's so important to read the trades you want to be checking deadline hollywood reporter variety all that kind of stuff every day if you can and be aware of what projects are getting made and what TV shows are getting picked up, or which agents are moving where, which shows are staffing up right now. Even if it's not going to help you immediately, it just helps to have your finger on the pulse like this. Even if you make friends with assistants at agencies and production companies and TV shows, sometimes you can get this news before the rest of the world knows about it. Maybe you can read the scripts before they're public. Shh. But, uh, you know, you want to stay ahead of the curve. So, um, again, I'm not saying this so that you can try and predict the trends of the industry and write something you think is going to sell. It's really just more about staying in tune with what's going on around town and what everyone else is talking about so that you can be a smarter writer and business person in your own career, as well as being able to make intelligent conversation and have opinions to discuss with other folks in the business. You can't just isolate yourself in a room and write and expect to make it. Yeah, and when it comes to those connections, you want to be personable and personal. It's kind of similar to when you have that Facebook birthday. Everyone posts on that person's Facebook wall, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy blah, 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 blah. But what if you send an email or a text to that person? That's quite a different relationship that you have with that person as opposed to all the other people who are just posting on Facebook. How can you stand out and be memorable and be different? So the second big thing you want to be doing aside from putting yourself out there is putting your content out there. And that really does include an online presence and sort of trying to generate content there and brand yourself. Yeah, I mean, what year is it now? 2018. So if you're an unknown creative person in this town, social media and online presence need to be part of the arsenal you use to put yourself out there. And by online presence, we don't just mean self-promotion, right? Don't spam people with links to your YouTube web series that nobody cares about. This is about essentially self-expression, be entertaining or engaging or informative. So if you're in half hours of comedy, you kind of have no excuse not to have a Twitter or some kind of social media account to share your funny stories. If you're a drama guy or gal, 
The reality is a bit different since translating your creative skills isn't as clear cut as being funny, but there are other ways of doing it. Yeah, like Alex says, if you're a comedy writer, you should be funny. Post jokes and funny observations every day on Twitter and Facebook. Try out material. There's an app called Pitch that Funny or Die made, and you can sort of post funny responses to prompts. Like there was one, what's something you could say both at your high school reunion and after sex? And you can post things like, uh, what was your name again? Or, you know, things like that. And you can kind of get practice in telling jokes that way. Yeah, again, I don't know with drama writers, maybe it's just about kind of putting yourself out there and making, opening up conversations about other material. Like, you know, oh, I just watched this episode of black mirror what did you guys think about this or like honestly yeah. like cr commenting on things and, and exploring i definitely agree that part of it is essentially showing your interest in other people's work especially if you're in the genre sphere there's plenty of room for conversation either on message boards reddit twitter whatever the case may be and let's say you do have those jokes that you want to send on twitter but maybe you're too busy to do that well now you have apps and other softwares to help you schedule those tweets or make it more linear in the outcome so you can schedule tweets for example you've got buffer hootsuite there's a bunch of other apps and softwares that you can use to help your social media presence and make it feel more lively. And on Twitter as well, even if you're not putting out your own jokes and tweets and stuff, you can be replying to other people's things and having those conversations and interactions and chains of, of threads. And then that way you are interacting with people and your stuff is popping up on people's timelines and all that kind of thing. Like just be active and engaged in community. That's how a lot of new writers meet other writers is essentially through the social media avenues. But with that said, outside of those online places, there are other locations where you can generate content and further your brand as a creative. So obviously stand-up comedy is one way. That's been one of the many ways for nascent writers to sort of get noticed. Yeah, but improv and sketch Improv, too. exactly. But for one-hour writers, as I mentioned, it's a bit of a tougher nut to crack since there is no one-to-one -one equivalent to just being funny, right? As it be serious, be sad. <laughs> Sad. So good at being serious. I'm always sad. That's the secret. <laughs> but honestly, it could just be doing one act plays or a short film or something entirely different. Whatever fits your creative sensibilities. The big thing here is you need to and you should generate content instead of just consuming it, which is the big mistake most people do. And aside from generating content, I think that there's another avenue of this, which I call like generating value. I think it's important to create value for yourself rather than just taking from other people. And then when you create that value, you invite other people into it to kind of partake in that as well. So whether this is helping out people at your level, below you, above you, when you can do introductions, small favors, etc., out of the kindness of your own heart and not because you expect something in return, or just making things happen yourself, just going out there and doing it. You know, shooting a short film, running your own screenwriting competition, starting a podcast, organizing board games nights or mixes or camping trips with your industry friends. I mean, A, it's just a great way to have fun and make friends. And B, you are putting yourself out there and staying on people's radars while meeting new people and making connections. You never know down the road how that may pay off. You may meet someone who assists a literary manager and you mention that, oh, I write sci-fi and they offer to read your script and they give it to their boss and you get signed next week. Or it could be five, ten years later, the person who was your partner in a game of code names at a friend's games night might be now a development executive at Sony. And if you've actually bothered to keep up and maintain that friendship, they want you to come in and pitch stuff on a feature. You just never know. It's all a lot of like butterfly effect and chaos theory. Just do things, have fun, be a good person, and things will end up happening for you in some way if you're doing it right. 
a lot of what you just talked about, Nick, is how communities are born, essentially, right? And I can share my own experience with TV Calling. And this year, 2018, will be the 10-year anniversary of the site. And it's been kind of this incredible platform, not just for me to share my own stories, but also a platform to help others. And I'm still extending that platform, more news on that later in the year. But I'm a strong believer as well in putting yourself out there by generating your own content as well as helping others. It's not just about networking, but actively sharing your stories and lending the other cheek in a way. So here are some reasons why you may want to consider those avenues. One, more visibility. You're literally putting yourself out there. Uh, Whether it's through a blog, a YouTube channel, a podcast, or whatever where you're expressing yourself, the goal is to be on people's radars. That's one way of doing it. Two, more opportunities. Once you're out there, it's easier to meet new people. In fact, sometimes they come to you. So for example, I get 15 to 20 emails a week of readers. Now I'm not saying I'm gonna be best friends with all those people, but I'm on people's radars and I'm connecting with other people. Now, number three is you hone new skills. Initially, it was just working out WordPress for me, but over the years, I've learned so many new skills like digital marketing, email platforms, online promotion, editing, social media management, etc. Those are skills that can be parlayed into jobs, even within the writer's room. Some writer's assistant or writer's PA positions manage social media accounts for the room. So already being familiar with those tools is a huge plus for you. And last but not least, you now have some body of work, a platform or samples. You have something to show people on top of just a bland script. It's an easy end for people to get to know who you are and what you do. Now, I'm not saying you need to do a TV calling 2.0. In fact, I'll see you if that happens. Uh, but whatever your version of that self-expression and online presence is, you got to start today. Yeah. And I would even add a number five that just altruistically, it feels good to offer stuff to other people and for them to get some value out of the things that you're doing. It's just a nice feeling to be able to give back to people like that. And we'll discuss that a little later too. Yeah, exactly. And here are some other ways of doing it. One thing is creating relevant content like your favorite tips from a blog. And that is the advice we just mentioned about social media, Twitter, Facebook. You have those avenues where you can share your interest in other people's work. Uh, the other thing is maybe you can group brainstorm or have a mastermind group. You can ask friends or peers for ideas to pursue. For example, Sam Miller, uh, one of our earlier guests from last year, made LA Beer, which was a web series, by getting other aspiring TV writers from a message board together and making their own writer's room. And he's been pretty successful since. The other thing is interview people. And I don't just mean job-wise, but generally get to know new personalities and understand the business for yourself. And last but not least, share your successes and your failures. Again, that was part of the impetus behind TV Calling. And that's just a good way to make connections. Yeah, there's a lot to say for being open and honest, whether it's in life or on social media and that kind of thing. When you show some level of vulnerability about that, like you do share your failures, like, oh, I went through some really hard times this year and whatever. It is another way to connect people and for people to empathize with you and you with them and just like build those human connections. This doesn't have to all be sort of self-promotion and like, look how great I am. It's also like, this is just life and I'm a human being and we all are and we're all connected in that way. Yeah, and it all ties back to what we said earlier about being real and honest about who you are and what you want to be doing. So we talked about putting your content out there and also putting yourself out there, but I guess we should also talk about, in a way, putting others in there. 
Excuse me. Uh, Who has a dirty mind now, Nick? No, I didn't mean that. I mean, like, giving back, mentoring, passing the torch on, and helping other people. Well, the first thing we need to talk about when we talk about putting others in there is finding a mentor for yourself. That's a big question that a lot of people are wondering about is, what's the process of getting a mentor? And much like any social activity, it should be organic first and foremost. However, there are ways to make it clear that you are looking for help and these are some of the things to look out for when finding a mentor. The number one thing is you got to think about who do you admire? Whose brain would you like to pick and not in a Hannibal style? If you work in a room, then chances are it's someone in your own office, but it's sometimes easier to go outside that bubble into the real world or the digital world. So I know a lot of young writers who found their own early mentors through Twitter. We've been mentioning it. If you talk about your favorite sci-fi show and you connect with that writer on Twitter, maybe you can form a bond. Oh, you're awesome. I love awesome people. That's me. Also, the mentor you want doesn't have to be someone in that very same field. For example, if you want to be a TV writer, you should also look at executives at production companies and network for guidance. This will give you a unique perspective that other writers won't be getting since they themselves would be looking at help from other EP writers. And like for networking, don't just base your selection on who can give me a job in the next six months. Instead, look at the knowledge you can learn or the shared experience. Maybe it's actually someone from a very similar background who's already been through similar things. And the other thing to keep in mind is you gotta be appreciative for their time and generosity. If someone answers your questions, especially if it is more than some quick one sentence response, thank them. Don't just throw another five page essay on top of it, but other issues they can solve for you. They're not your therapist. They're a mentor or a friend. They're not there to change your diapers. Yeah. I've had some experiences interacting with people I admire on Twitter, like some of the Simpsons writers and things like that. And you do try to keep it brief and respectful and like, again, offer something to them in some way. I always make a point of saying something in their work that I've really loved or has really influenced me and compliment them on that because that's what helped make me into a writer today. And I think if I was in that position, I would appreciate people doing that for me too. Totally. And from my own experiences, asking for help as well as helping other people, I found that tougher, more specific questions are actually the best ones to ask. You should probably never ask something like, how do I write a TV script? Because that is way too broad and there are already plenty of online resources for that, like this very podcast. However, let's say you're stuck at a very specific story turn in your spec pilot for some crime drama. Maybe you can ask that mentor what she or he finds useful to get out of that narrative bind. Their answer will be more specific, more helpful, and probably less time-consuming for them because it's going to be a more specific solution to that one problem. And I think it's more interesting for them to answer something that they don't get asked all the time. It's probably a million people that ask them like, how do I get a job as a writer or whatever? And they have some stock standard response, so they might not even bother replying to it. But if you have presented them with a thoughtful, interesting, engaging question, then that's going to make you stand out and they're going to want to answer it. You'll be remembered forever. For good or for bad. Now we should also discuss you giving back and giving that help, whether it's when you've reached a point in your career where people are coming to you for that, or even when you're still at those lower levels and helping the people who are one rung below you or at the same level as you. So disclaimer is there's obviously a limit and a level of self-care to this step. You can't help every single person who shows up to LA wanting to be a writer and somehow knows who you are. If you've been doing the previous steps, right, that we talked about, you will probably eventually become relatively well-known in your community and hopefully have a positive reputation 
reputation as someone who is dedicated and talented and passionate and is making things happen for themselves. And so, of course, naturally, this is going to attract other people who want to do that, too, and they want to know how you did that. How much time and bandwidth you dedicate to helping those people is entirely up to you. Once you start working as a writer or even just when you're writing your own stuff and generating content and you're busy networking and making things happen, you won't have a ton of free time. So give back in whatever way you feel is reasonable and comfortable for you. You see people, big showrunners like Jeff Lieber, doing Twitter Q&As where they will respond to questions and dispense advice for an hour once every week or two. Now, if he tried to grab coffee with the hundreds of people who asked him those questions on Twitter, he wouldn't have enough time in the day, let alone the physical and emotional energy. And uh, speaking of helping other people on Twitter, Josh Friedman does a lot of those Twitter Q&As, and he does them usually when he has downtime. So for example, he's waiting for a doctor's appointment or whatever the case may be. So it doesn't have to be this dedicated one-hour block every morning. It can just be whenever you feel like it. Right. And then they're able to dispense advice and help when it's convenient for them. You're not demanding their time when they're busy or in the middle of something or having to go out of the way for you. So when you do find yourself in that position, if you don't have the time for that, you can look at things like that or perhaps just refer people to resources that might help them, something like that, rather than spending an hour explaining the O1 visa process yourself or how to format a screenplay. Like You can just kind of be like, well, there's a great podcast that talks about this. There's a uh, (laughs) (laughs) wink, wink. You know, there's a website here. My friend Billy is an immigration lawyer when I refer you to him, all that kind of thing. And that only takes 60 seconds out of your day. Now, you can also be discerning about who you choose to help. So many people do go about it in the wrong way, as we have experienced ourselves through the stories of some of our guests, and they're very see-through with their objectives. So it's okay to say no, or that you're too busy to meet up or read a script, even if someone is doing everything right and respectfully. But especially for those people who are clearly showing no respect for the nuance and the etiquette involved in these interactions, you owe them nothing, and they need to learn that their bad or ignorant behavior won't be rewarded anyway. So don't feel too bad about saying no if you need to. Ultimately, being kept in the conversation and putting yourself out there doesn't just have to be about you. It can also be about helping others. All right. So for this episode, we don't have takeaways, but we have challenges because this is a proactive episode. We want to challenge you to do things outside of your comfort zone. So here are five challenges and hopefully you can do at least one of these things every week. Uh, These are main things we covered in each section and it's going to be something tangible. So what is the first challenge? Number one, meet one new person every week in the real world for coffee, drinks, whatever, and put yourself out there online at the same time. Tweet a funny joke or join a TV writer's Facebook group. Number two, offer to help someone else out, for example, with an introduction to someone or reading a script or do a favor for them without expecting anything in return. What are those things that you wish you knew or needed help with when you were in their position? Number three, create at least one thing that's valuable for yourself and for other people this year. It might be organizing a writer's group or planning a karaoke night for the crew on your show, or it could be a paintball day for stressed out industry assistants. Number four, create content and put it out there. It might be a short film you wrote and shot with your friends or even something like a shareable document with tips you've learned from being a writer's PA or maybe a Twitter Q&A. Number five, follow up, whether via email or catch up in person with someone that you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe you got drinks this time last year or you used to work on a show together. See what they've been up to and fill them in on your life. I feel like our listeners are going to be very busy these next couple of weeks. Yeah, they should be. You got to get out there. You got to put yourself out there. All right. What are some resources? 
my resource and disclaimer, I have not read this book personally, but I've heard it recommended and it sounds like it would be really interesting. It's called Breaking In Stories from the Trenches by Lee Jessup, who is a like, script coach, career coach type person. Her book is basically a bunch of interviews with people who have gone from showing up in LA with nothing to working the assistant route and doing all that kind of stuff to becoming staffed writers and working writers. So it's a bunch of real tangible ways that other people in town have broken in. So I think that that would be a really cool thing for you guys to read. Uh, also, there was another book that we referred to back in one of the earlier podcasts, which is still great, Hollywood Game Plan by Carol Kirshner. So check that one out too. And my resources are the social media apps I referred to earlier, Buffer and Hootsuite. These are applications for web and mobile uh, designed to really manage those social network and social media accounts. So for example, you can enter a bunch of tweets and have them scheduled at specific intervals. So for example, if lightning strikes in the middle of the night and you have uh, 10 funny tweets, you don't have to tweet them all out at the same time. You can buffer them, hence the name. Uh, and those are all free. Well, at least buffer is free. I don't know about Hootsuite anymore, but uh, I'll link those in the show notes. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. So as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We appreciate you greatly. You can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 75. And in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to get a transcript for this episode at paperteam.co slash 75 transcript. We'd love to see your reviews of the podcast, and you can leave those for us at paperteam.co slash iTunes. All of those reviews are going to give us a warm, fuzzy feeling inside and help other listeners like you find the show. Thanks again to our sponsor, the 2018 Tracking Board Launchpad Pilots Competition. Our Paper Team listeners can use the code PAPERTEAM, all caps, all one word, at the checkout to save $15 off their entry. And you can learn more about all the Launchpad's current competitions and exclusive partners by visiting tblaunchpad.com. As always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. We would love to hear what you've challenged yourself to do to put yourself out there. So send us your stories at ask at paperteam.co and we'll share how awesome you've become. Yeah, or tweet them at us, whatever works for you. And what are we doing next week? Next week, we'll be discussing what it's like to be a TV drama showrunner's assistant with Ooh. special guests Zimran Jacob from Marvel's The Punisher and Sydney Mitchell from NCIS New Orleans and Outcast. Not one, but two special guest stars. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a double header paper team. Double feature. See you then. See you then.